This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today we discuss the disappearance of Chris Kramers and Lisanne Froon. While vacationing in Panama back in 2014, how did these two women end up missing? Was it an accident or was it foul play? Today, we'll tell their story and include the ensuing police investigation, the discovery of belongings and body parts, and discuss what to make of the phone calls and photographs found on their cell phones. Finally, we'll give our take on what we think might have happened to these young ladies. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of foreign travels, hiking, and veering off the beaten path, stick around for this cautionary tale. This is Necronomapod. Back with one of these uh, real fun missing people cases. They're interesting. They're sad, but they're very interesting. Our listeners seem to love them. The missing yeah. person and unexplained disappearance stuff. Those those get a lot of downloads. They do. We don't do them all the time because they get depressing. But what was <laughs> the last one we did? Brandon Lawson and and Lawson Brandon. Brandon. Oh yeah, we switched them up. Swanson, Swanson and Lawson. Yeah, that's right. The Remember they were very similar. Yeah. And then didn't we do, who was the girl that was in her garden? Cindy James. Yeah. Like an unexplained story type. People liked that one too. That one was nuts. I still don't know what to make of that one. I don't know either. I talked myself in and out of That had everything. That had a little bit of everything in it. I still don't know if that woman was actually being stalked and murdered or if she just did it all herself. I don't know. Who were the crazy neighbors? Mm -mm. That were like stalking her, always watching. Remember them? There was a dick joke somewhere in their name, I believe. Some kind That's of joke. Right. Yeah. Her pals that stayed with her and stuff. Yeah. Then there was the ex-husband. There was the cop who then became friends with the ex-husband. Yeah. Like, there were a lot of there tentacles were tag team going around. for her, allegedly. But then she had that guy living in her basement, right? Like renting out the thing. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, like the cop was investigating. Then he moved in. And wanted then to marry wanted her. Wanted to marry her. A lot of potential uh, stuff going on there. Very strange. There's a lot to dissect with today's story too. There's a there lot is of little a lot. things. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot with the pictures we're going to talk about later. There's a lot of conflicting reports. There's people that have photoshopped pictures to prove their point. That's not weird at all. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff with this case. And I remember maybe, when this happened too. I remember when this was sure? going around online because it it has that mysterious aspect of it of what are these pictures all about? Right. And you have the cell phone data, mm-hmm. all the pictures stuff. So 
coming up on just nine years ago. It's still pretty fresh. Yeah. And it adds, it adds a whole layer of people of things for people to look into. Right. You know, to examine the pictures and look at without the pictures, this case wouldn't be what it is between that and perhaps a sloppy investigation that led the door to be open to all kinds of allegedly sloppy. Depends on your perspective, I guess. All right, let's jump in. Chris Kremers was born on August 9th, 1992, and Lucien Faroon was born on September 24th, 1991. Both young women were born in Amersfoort, Netherlands. At the time of their disappearance on April 1st, 2014, Chris was 21 years old and Lucien was 22. They became friends through working at a restaurant named Inden Kleinenhab. And I'm sure it's just how you pronounce it, too. Good job. I sound like I'm from the Netherlands, right? <laughs> well, Dutch boy. Over here. <laughs> Almost as good as what Swedish Ian? Swedish Ian. Yeah. That's Kilmer. right. Remember that guy? Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> you had that one nailed. That's my one and only <laughs> time. Three, three <laughs> <Yeah>. years ago. <laughs> and while they were working at this restaurant, both of them were finishing up college. Six or seven months before their disappearance, Chris graduated with a degree in cultural social education, specializing in art education, and Lisanne had graduated with a degree in applied psychology. Within that six or seven months, Chris and Lisanne saved up for a trip to Panama. This was going to be a six-week vacation, but it wasn't all just fun and hanging out. Part of it was a celebration for Lisanne graduating, but they were also set to spend some time volunteering at a school to teach children. From how Chris and Lisanne were described, it seemed like their personalities worked well together. Chris was described as, quote, a quiet, creative, and responsible person, while Lisanne was described as, quote, aspiring, optimistic, intelligent, and a passionate volleyball player. Basically, Chris was more reserved and Lisanne was more outgoing, which... It sounds like a solid personality people to hang out like go so you know go play off each other sure the only thing that could be raised as a bit of concern in this scenario is that lisanne had only been on her own for a couple weeks before they left for panama living with chris was the first time that she had been away from her parents so big life changes big life changes and then going to a foreign country it's a big step yeah jumping in the deep end Chris and Lisanne arrived in Panama on March 15th, 2014, and they would get back home on April 21st, 2014. Fortunately, both Chris and Lisanne kept diaries, so we know details from some of their experiences in Panama. They first visited Bocas del Toro, where they met some young guys who were also Dutch, and they spent the night just kind of taking in the fact that they were starting this awesome trip, drinking, you know, having a couple of drinks with these guys and stuff. However, Chris's diary entry about getting to Bocas del Toro gives the impression that right away there were locals who were quick to take advantage of them. And maybe they were a little too trusting of people. Chris's diary said, quote, The bus trip was an adventure in itself. The bus trip itself went well, but first we had to speed through San Jose by taxi because we had no cash on us. When we got out in Six Ala, we and two locals were the only ones left. We had to just figure out for ourselves how to get to the border. The bus driver only spoke Spanish. We were sent one way, and with our backpacks, we really stood out among the locals. We arrived at the border, which consisted of an old bridge. It was very bizarre to cross the border that way. Once on the other side, we arrived at a building where we had to pay money for a sticker on a passport. I think we were scammed. When we stood at the real immigration checkpoint, a man approached us and asked if we had to go to Bocas. 
we were a bit suspicious because we didn't know very well if we could trust him. All the people were in a great hurry because they thought we would not be able to catch the last boat. For this reason, we decided to jump in the car and hope for a happy ending. And it came. After a hellish ride where the driver was driving so fast that I didn't even dare to look, we arrived at a small stepping stone for the boat to bogus. After about half an hour, we finally arrived. Boy, I don't know. Going to a a smaller town in, in Panama with no money and not speaking Spanish, it's not great. It gave me anxiety reading. Like I'm it. not sure uh, what you expect, but you know, easy prey. Yeah, if you don't know how things work in this country, you don't speak Spanish. You don't even have any cash. Like that's not a great way to start a trip. Like that wouldn't be a great way for me to start a trip. And I'm like fucking, you know, 36, 230 pounds, whatever. I would be taken advantage of. Sure. Of in this situation, would. we're talking about a 21 and 22 year old very petite Mm -hmm. girls young young women not good i mean we know i'm pretty fucking gullible with things sometimes it's it's easy to convince me of things sometimes like i was supposed to be mad at somebody recently or irritated and they made an evil dead reference i'm like oh we're good now (laughs) (laughs) washed away but this would never happen to you because you'd try to get here but you'd end up in like halifax nova scotia (laughs) yeah i'd be on the other side of the world and up there, you know, they'd be kind to you. <laughs> Hello, is this Panama? <laughs> but like, I could see myself just getting there and be like, oh, yeah, sure thing, whatever. Yeah. Come on, get in the car. We're going for a ride. They like an Evil Dead bumper sticker you're in. Yeah, like, all right, let's go. Hold this bag of 10 kilos of cocaine. <laughs> we'll walk across that bridge. It'll be all right. Sure. It's just a culture shock. And it's not. And even more so for them coming from the Netherlands. Yeah. It's just not, it's not a good setup right from the get go. No, no. Two weeks into their trip on March 29th, they arrived at Boquette, which is a small mountain town in Panama. The last census in 2008 had it at 19,000 people. So it's pretty small. It was here that Chris and Lasanne would be volunteering at the Aurora Children's School. When they showed up, the staff of the school blindsided them by saying that they could not volunteer that week. The head of the school didn't have time to get them set up with what they would be doing to help out, despite an email that was sent three days earlier by the school confirming that Chris and Lasan would be volunteering that week. They pretty much said, we don't need any volunteers. And that kind of sucks when your whole trip is based on that. Based on volunteering. Well, one of them was in social work, right? Was this kind of to get experience in that sort of line of work? What did they they have degrees in? Art, cultural, social education. So that's kind of in line with what your profession is, right? Psychology. Foreign experience. Yeah. I mean, at the, the way that this is presented is while it was to have fun, it was equally to get some experience in, you know, volunteering for things like that, doing some. Makes sense. Giving back. Do they speak no Spanish? Very little loose understanding mm. there. So we're going to talk about later on um, Spanish by the river. I believe a Dutch ran Spanish school. They visited there. There's also another one like same company called Spanish by something. I can't remember, but they, they did. They went to both of those schools to learn Spanish kind of on the fly. Mm. How did they expect to volunteer and, and, and assist with kids and whatnot? They didn't speak any Spanish. Doesn't seem like great planning. Perhaps they didn't think ahead. Yeah, right. Or they felt that 
They could just what learn, they knew, learn on the fly. <laughs> learn on the fly and what they already knew would be enough. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I think if you're in the city in a lot of places in the world, like you're, you're okay. A lot of times when a lot of people speak English, but when you get out in the smaller places in the countryside, like not everyone's going to speak English. I was in Spain last year and in, in Barcelona in the city, I was fine. Then we were staying in like a outer neighborhood. Not everyone spoke English and I ended up getting right. mayonnaise on my fries due to some miscommunication <laughs> at this diner, at this burger joint. Were you really upset about that? <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> because this was half of their trip it was a huge setback and it looked like this could not be made up like they were not going to be f- able to find somewhere else to volunteer chris and Lisanne had a strict itinerary that they had been following they used a travel agency to plan out most of this trip which it's, it's not a great travel agency in my opinion right off the, the bat i like it while they were trying to figure out where else they could volunteer, Chris and Lasanne got in contact with a woman named Miriam Guerra. Miriam ran a boarding house in Buclat that mainly was for students, and she gave a room to Chris and Lasanne. On March 30th, Miriam brought Chris and Lasanne breakfast, and they told Miriam that they were going to go out and explore the area a bit. They ended up finding a Dutch ran school to learn Spanish, Spanish by the river. There was another one that they attended for a bit pre like as soon as they landed from their trip pretty much or landed in Panama for their trip, which was only a couple houses down from Miriam's between March 30th and April 1st. Chris and Lasanne visited Spanish by the river multiple times to use the school's Wi-Fi. pretty quick. They found that finding that volunteer work pretty much was not going to happen. So Chris and Lasanne started making plans for the first week of April. Stuff like climbing a local volcano, visiting a local coffee plantation, and a strawberry farm. However, they didn't have plans on Tuesday, April 1st, so they walked around Bucat to find something to do. I'm just making it up as they go now. Time to kill. Yeah, right. There can't be that much to do there. And there is tourist stuff that goes on. You know I mean? There is tourism somewhat in that area. So there was things that they could do, guided tours. Mm-hmm. Which all of those things would be guided. Like the volcano thing was going to be guided. You guys big strawberry fans? Would you go to a strawberry farm? I would. I'm a huge strawberry fan. But I, I like strawberry. It'd be fun to try it fresh like that. That would be cool. Right there from the farm. I eat those berries on the uh, the Metro Parks Trail all the time. You know Do what I'm you? talking about? No. I, would, I don't eat wild berries. <laughs> no, I have <laughs> nope. not been, I've not been to the Metro Parks in a long time. That's that little bit of hillbilly in me that I do have. Good. They're good. That's why I eat them. Mm. (laughs) They've never made you sick or anything? No. But I mean, like, are they sweet? Are they more bitter? Yeah, they're like blackberries. Okay. I love blackberries. Yeah. Mm, Big fan. I know where the bushes are on that trail. I go out of my way. I go in there and grab some berries. He's got to hook up if you want. He'll take you back to the woods. Pick mushrooms, too, while you're down there? (laughs) Yeah, I don't eat anything in the wild. No, thank you. I'll grab some blackberries. I'm, I'm right. I get some at the store. They're okay. <laughs> they know what kind of species to pick. You know. So if there was a tree that like was just like spewed out mayonnaise, you wouldn't go give it a try? Oh, a mayo tree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Use too much mayo. They're like, mayo doesn't grow on trees. You're like, it does in my house. It is mayo tree I am. Yeah, fucking Metro Parks, pal. We got berries, <laughs> mushrooms, and mayo trees. <laughs> I would love a mayo tree. <laughs> One of the greatest things on earth. 
Just tap it like a maple tree. That's, oh man, that's great. It's a great idea. That's cool how people can tap a maple tree and just I get served. That's so cut. good right mm-hmm. off the tap. I'm not. I think we've talked about this before, and I only thought I was talking about syrup. Like I'm not a fan really of French toast, waffles, pancakes. Like if I'm breakfast, I want the meats and the eggs and stuff. But for whatever reason, recently I've been craving pancakes. Mm. I haven't had them, and I probably won't. It'll just go away. But <laughs> I like good. French toast. I don't like pancakes. Like they're all okay. Waffles, pancakes, French toast. But I would never go out of my way to order that. Like no, it's just not never. something I ever request. Mm. But they're all okay. Like they're good when you get it. Like a stuffed French toast could be all right. Love French toast. Yeah. Anyways. So from here on out, there's a lot of conflicting reports. Like we said in the beginning, there's people that have even gone as far to Photoshop pictures in this. Um, it's weird. It's really weird. It's very odd. It's like the John Bonet people that are so dead set on something that they go out of their way to be nasty to people online or just like, kind of make it's up. It's like cops planning evidence because they think they know they really did it. And by any means necessary, they're going to convict them. Yeah. Right. Except you're not even a trained law enforcement. You're some troll sitting online <laughs> who's photoshopping a photo. But like, 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 do they think they're going to get away with it? Like they're the only person in the world who ever discovered that photo. And like, oh, this is going to mm. solve the case. Like nobody takes them seriously online. Uh, yeah, that shit gets out of hand. <laughs> like, really gets out of hand. Like, I'm not saying it's okay when police do it. I'm just saying if you're a troll online, like, it's it's meaningless. It's it's all for nothing. Living in a fantasy world. Where That's a good you're point. You're so obsessed with wanting to solve this that you're just making shit up. People latch on to cases like this. and Which is okay if you're they into They try it, to become but. an expert, yeah. That's the argument with, like, Bigfoot people and stuff, right? It's like, you believe in Bigfoot so much that you hoax something to get more spotlight. That's right. On the subject. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. Didn't we talk about a case recently where somebody like a high schooler or college kid wrote a paper and discovered new evidence that he brought to the police? Like that's great work. Like if you're investigating it on your own and like researching it, that's cool. Don't make shit up. Oh yeah. What, what case was that? I can't remember what that was. I can't remember either. Mm. But we did talk about that, right? Like somebody mm-hmm. was writing a, like a term paper or something. Oh, it was um, on Patreon. It was the USS Indianapolis. Is that what it was? Everything was being blamed on the captain. And then. That, oh, yeah. He got that guy back in the good graces. Yeah. And then that kid did a cleared whole book name. report and like researched the fuck out of it and cleared that captain's name. What? He had already 70, 80 years later or whatever. Didn't he commit suicide. The captain he did. For, did like, yeah. In the 60s, he killed himself. So that's yeah. what it was. He, yeah. Like, that's good work. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. <laughs> it's got all the good stuff. I didn't remember that was from Patreon. That was an accidental plug. Mm hmm. Good segue, fella. Eventually, they decided on hiking on the Pianista Trail, which goes through the jungle. I saw some reports saying that you absolutely need a local guide to do this trail and others saying not really, that it's a really popular trail with tourists. Either way, Chris and Lasan opted out of a guide. It's been reported that they were trying to save money. A local guide would have costed anywhere between $50 and $100 to take them on those trails. But regardless of what the reason was, they went alone. People at the Spanish by the River School said that a taxi picked up Chris and Lasan at 1 p.m. And the taxi driver said he dropped them off at the trail at 1.40 p.m. 
However, the timestamp on their camera suggests that Chris and Lisanne started their hike at around 11 a.m. The camera in their phones are going to play a big part in the rest of the story. Um, so just kind of get into that real quick. Lisanne brought a Canon SX270HS digital camera with them on the trip. If you compare that camera from 2014 with one today in 2023, it's a beginner's camera that would run you like $400. Chris had an iPhone 4 and Lisanne had a Samsung Galaxy S3. Couldn't her camera have been set to the wrong time zone or something to explain that difference? It's possible, yeah. Is it safe to say that all the time stuff is tentative at best then? Yeah, this is all roundabout. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess nobody really ever, if unless you're paying attention, you're always just giving estimates, right? Yeah, and if the and the camera thing makes sense, it could be a different time zone. I don't hold. I think that's an easy that. an yeah. easy explanation on that one. Yeah, yeah, because it wouldn't be hooked up to any type of Wi-Fi really or no, uh-huh. anything that's automatically switch. I don't even know if phones did that back in 2014. Automatically switched when you entered a different time zone. I don't know. The phone probably did, but the camera didn't. Yeah, definitely not the camera. Yeah, that first edition iPhone just sold for sixty three grand or something. Really? Wrapped. Why? I don't know. Like a okay. still in a box wrapped iPhone first edition. Guess if you want to collect it. Should have bought a couple, uh put them in the closet, I guess. Should have bought a first edition Superman back in the thirties and put it in the closet too. <laughs> but, you know. You should have, but you chose to buy what baseball cards that week. <laughs> I was getting ready to be drafted in World War II, Mike. Yeah, I was I had other priorities. I had things on my mind. All right, and kills Nazis. Come on. Lisanne and Chris wore light clothing for this hike, uh, shorts and a tank top, and they only brought a light backpack. That bag contained two pairs of sunglasses, 83 U.S. dollars, Lasanne's passport, a water bottle, Lasanne's camera, two bras, and their phones. No one knows for sure if they brought food with them, but it's safe to assume that they were expecting this to be a relatively short hike. There's some rappers we'll talk about later, but as far as food knows, nobody knows what they would have brought with them if they brought anything. I wonder if only one of their passports. I don't know. And I know one of their brothers has publicly said that he doesn't think that they brought any food with them at all. Okay. That whatever those wrappers are that we'll talk about in a little while did not belong to them, did not come from them. Okay, put that in your back pocket for later. Pull it out at the appropriate time. Stand by. <laughs> at the beginning of the Pinasta Trail, there was a restaurant, and it's reported that people at the restaurant told Chris and Lestand that it was a really bad idea to go on that trail alone. Instead, it has been reported that Chris and Lisanne took a dog that hung out around the restaurant with them. That dog's name was Azul, meaning blue, and people thought that something was wrong when the dog came back without Chris and Lisanne. But it needs to be pointed out, we don't know for sure that this dog was with them on the hike. We don't even know if this fucking dog exists, to be completely Mm -hmm. honest. like This is just something that was said. There's so a lot of different accounts here, whether this is something you're safe on, like you don't go on there without a guide, but then the other accounts are, yeah, there's tons of tourists on there. It's it's nothing. Be around tons of other people, completely safe. All we know is witnesses told news reporters, media, that there was this dog named Blue 
that went with them on the, that hung around, hung out around the restaurant and went on this trip with them or went on the walk with them, which could be a very odd thing to make up. Cause it doesn't really tell you anything. Yeah. It'd be odd to, to make that up. I'm not saying they didn't, but, and I don't even, you, who knows if the dog would have walked the whole trail with them. Well, did anybody ask the dog? I mean, maybe the dog just said, fuck it halfway through and came back or around the corner. Even <laughs> right. sure, and he yeah. was out fucking for the afternoon. He came to his senses. Yeah. He's like, I'm not doing a hike. Fuck this. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go fuck this poodle that got out of the yard. <laughs> yeah, right. What we do know is on Wednesday, April 2nd, Chris and Lasanne failed to show up for an 8 a.m. private guided tour that went around Boclette, which raises a question. If they had a guided tour for Wednesday, why did they just go out on their own on Tuesday? The taxi driver says that he dropped them off there, but there is no one that actually saw them go on this hike. So it raises the first question. They already had paid for this for the next day. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, maybe that was just around the city and they just kind of stumbled into something to do for that day. Yeah, because they're still trying to fill that time. So maybe they had the tour for Wednesday and they're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. Let's go walk around and go on a hike. But you're right. You're backing into this later as to what they did on that day based on, I guess, some eyewitness accounts. Not very credible. Not like, very credible. Just not inconsistent. Yeah. Nobody. So so you can't say proof positive that that's exactly what happened. Right. I mean, obviously, we know that they did go on the trail. You know, spoiler alert. It's just kind of alluding to maybe someone followed them on the trail. And we don't you don't know that. Maybe someone took them on the trail. Correct. Maybe they <clears throat> did find a guide and this guide was <clears throat> uh, had some ulterior motives. <clears throat> It's not like you're in a big city. Like, it's like they're in London where there's cameras everywhere and you're getting right. right here. We saw him go here. We saw him go here. We saw him go here. It's nothing. Nothing like that. So according to witnesses around the restaurant, they knew something was off when the dog came back alone. And it's been reported that when evening hit and they weren't back at the boarding house, Miriam went out looking for them. However, in a different interview, Miriam said that she didn't know Chris and Lasanne never came home. She's two different, uh, completely different things. Yeah. And she went as far as to say that she went up and left breakfast at their, at their room and then went to her job. Like Miriam walked up, left Mm. the tray there and then left. But then the other one says that she was out that night looking for them on April 3rd, after Chris and San hadn't shown back up at Miriam's house, the police were notified that the young women were missing. At that point, their parents were informed that their daughters were missing and a full-scale search was launched. On April 6th, their parents arrived in Panama along with police, dog units, and detectives from the Netherlands to search the jungle for 10 days. The parents offered a $30,000 reward for any information leading to the whereabouts of their daughters, but it turned up nothing. I read that that swamped police. You know, offering thirty grand in somewhere like Panama, they were just inundated with tips and this and that. It's probably how they took up so a lot much of their time. Information in this story that's just inconsistent and different things. Sure. And that eighty-three dollars that we talked about that was in their backpack and that ends up being found later on in the story. There, there were some questions as to this being an accident based on that money still being in the bag. That because of the area in in poverty that that money would not be left whoever if someone did something to them that money would not be left behind yeah 
That makes sense. Also, I feel like a full two days for Miriam to report them being missing. I don't know. It's a lot, right? You don't know what she knew with their a schedule if she knew they were going out for a day. Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird, but like maybe thought, she thought like an overnight or they might something. be gone for a couple of days yeah, or exploring. I guess. Was their plan to come back? Like, I don't know. It's weird that she two different statements, completely different. Yeah, it's not her responsibility, I guess. So maybe that's not fair. Just because you rent someone a room, you're not responsible for keeping tabs on them. Right. You never know. No. They, maybe they ended up having fun somewhere and got a room there because they stayed late. Maybe. I agree. Miriam also said that I believe it was Lisanne was talking about having a sore throat. There's reports that Miriam was under the impression that one of them was sick and she didn't think that they would have done this, went on this hike because one of them Mm. wasn't feeling well. It's just a report though. You know, it's it's a news outlet just reporting on something. Also trying to draw up news. Right. So many variables in, in cases like this. It's really hard to discern what's what's real and what's not. Yeah, even the ones that appear pretty straightforward or difficult, let alone something like this. That's right, yeah. And could one of those small details that you're not even thinking about have been a major contributing factor that you're not even considering? It's just impossible to think through all the, the scenarios with things like this. Ten weeks later, on June 11th, 2014, a local woman named Irma Miranda found Lisanne's backpack, but didn't hand it over to the police until June 13th or June 14th. That's a little... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little debated on what day the police actually got that. Irma and her husband, Luis Intencio, found the backpack near a rice paddy stuck in between a rock and the river on the bank of the River Calabre near the village of Alto Romero. The backpack was found about 10 miles away from where Chris and Lasanne were last seen, which in the jungle translates to at least 14 hours of walking. There was some damage to the backpack and some damage to their phones and camera, but not enough that the data couldn't be retrieved from those devices. This led police to believe that Chris and Lasanne had made it somewhat close to where the backpack was found and didn't travel downriver very long. The police report says, quote, Although the damage of the backpack, scratches and abrasions, is consistent with traveling in a river and rocks, the damage is very light and probably not consistent with the travel of many kilometers in a wild river. I don't know. That's very vague, that statement. Consistent with going in the river, but not too far down the river. Right? Yeah. Am I reading that wrong? Like if it would have went down the river longer, there would have been a lot more scratches and abrasions on the backpack. I guess he's saying. I think what they're saying is if someone fell in the river and they were bouncing off of rocks, heading 10 miles down the river, it would have sustained a lot more damage than it did. Yeah, that makes, I mean. Is that accurate? I think I understand what he's saying, I think. So then it would imply that one of them would have died relatively close to where the backpack was found or someone ditched it there. Yes. Because it was found so far away. A 14-hour walk is pretty pretty far through the jungle or 10 miles through the jungle is pretty yeah they far. didn't fall in 10 miles upstream and case closed thanks for solving this mike i mean i just read the quote but i'll take credit <laughs> <laughs> there were 13 samples taken from the straps zippers and edges of the backpack for dna testing out of those samples three of them had dna 
The DNA belonged to multiple people, including at least two different women and one man, but they never matched those to anyone. Oddly, neither Chris nor Lysanne's DNA was found on the backpack. Police were able to lift fingerprints off of some of the items, and they were able to get as many as 34 different fingerprints. 13 on the backpack, 12 on the phones and the camera, as well as six different ones on the bras. However, it was revealed later on that none of the investigators ever wore gloves when they handled this evidence. So the fingerprints probably belonged to whoever was touching all that stuff. Come on. That's what I was getting into earlier, Dave, with the investigation. Like, if that's true, that's pretty big. Just reach in bare hand, like, let me check out that phone. Here, pass it off to you. What is this, the JonBenet investigation? (laughs) (laughs) Were Boulder cops on scene in Panama processing the evidence? Maybe Panama police, their training videos were the JonBenet Ramsey (laughs) investigation. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever lost a job, had a bad breakup, or simply just felt stuck in life? Ever wish life came with a user manual, much like our cars or appliances do? Wouldn't that be great? Lost your job? Turn to page 63. Just got dumped? Turn to page 32. Feeling depressed? That'll be on page 104. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. However, BetterHelp Online Therapy is basically the next best thing. So the next time you're feeling stuck, why not check them out? BetterHelp therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, all done online. Therapy can have many benefits, be it learning new coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, or even having a clearer mind. Look, everyone deserves to feel their best, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. They're the world's largest therapy service and offer all the benefits of in-person therapy, but are more convenient, accessible, and more affordable. After filling out a brief questionnaire, you'll be matched with a therapist. And from there, if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist whenever you'd like. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. So get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Necro. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Necro. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting into the data pulled from their cell phones. Remember, their hike probably started somewhere around 1.40 p.m. Around 4.39 p.m., a call was placed to 112 Emergency Services. Then about 10 minutes later, Another call was placed to 112. 112 is the Dutch emergency number, and it's used in some countries outside of the EU. In some countries, 112 will automatically switch you through to the emergency number of the country that you're in, and this is true for Panama. However, because of bad cell service, the calls never went through. 
When the calls didn't go through, both the iPhone and Samsung were turned off at 5.52 p.m. To save power, presumably. Yeah. Smart. On day two of their disappearance, so this would be Wednesday, April 2nd, Lisanne attempted to call 112 at 6.58 a.m. Then Chris made a call to 112 at 8.14 a.m. and accidentally took a screenshot of placing this call. Lisanne made another attempt to call for help at 10.52 a.m. to both 112 and 911. When those didn't go through, Lisanne's phone was turned off. Her phone was turned on again at 1.50 p.m., presumably to check for signal, and then turned off again. Her phone was turned on again at 4.19 p.m., probably for another signal check, and then left on through that night. Like hoping maybe it went through and emergency services might call you back? maybe you risk burning the battery for that call to receive that call or maybe whatever situation you were in you just forgot to turn it off yeah and that's fucking scary at that point because we're talking about a jungle that even if it's a very touristy trail there's still really wild animals out there fuck yeah, yeah. and at nighttime and you're alone and you're not familiar with it it's I was reading that there's jaguars are the biggest threat in that jungle. Um, but there's also um, poisonous tarantulas. So a lot, sometimes tarantulas aren't poisonous, mm-hmm. but poisonous ones, uh, poisonous scorpions, vipers. Um, there's howler monkeys out there anyways, which would just, they probably wouldn't attack you, but it would just add to that scary effect of hearing them going all night. Yeah, it's only touristy during the day on the beaten path where there's other people. Right. The second that changes, it's not touristy anymore. Yeah, and it's it's dangerous no matter what. I mean, yeah. there are scary animals there. I so yeah, I couldn't even imagine what was going through their minds at that point. No, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Thursday, April third, between two twenty one and two forty one AM, a weather app was used on Lisanne's phone. By 7.36 a.m., the battery for her phone was under 5% and was powered off. At 9.32 a.m., Chris's phone was turned on and 911 was called twice at 9.30 a.m. Then Chris's phone was turned off. At 11.47 a.m., Chris's phone was turned on and off again, presumably for that signal check. At 3.59 p.m., Chris's phone was turned on again and the contact my tm which is m y t i a m in the number zero zero five zero seven six seven nine and then the rest of that number was blocked out was looked up on whatsapp and then her phone was turned off i it's, almost wonder if that was the Mir- miriam that's what i was gonna say yeah back at I the at the house so i wonder if the apps worked can you hit the contact on whatsapp without actually having a whatsapp signal or the weather signal it would probably still register. You tried to use the app. Doesn't necessarily mean yeah, maybe that she, you had a cell signal. Like she hit search. Doesn't mean it got results. Yeah. So you could probably type it in. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the difference, if that's something that an iPhone would show a log for or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't WhatsApp like a texting thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those burner text things. They use a lot overseas, a lot more WhatsApp. On day four, so that would be April 4th, Lisanne's phone was turned on and back off at 4.50 a.m. for a signal check. Then at 5 a.m. it was turned on again and died. 
At 10.16 a.m., Chris's phone was turned on and off. Then at 1.42 p.m., Chris's phone was turned on and off again. Presumably all of these are just to check if they have signal and then conserve battery. Mm -hmm. April 5th, Chris's phone was turned on and back off at 10.50 a.m. Lisanne's phone was turned on at 1.14 p.m., but because you know we said it died, it never properly started. It did like the little Samsung start screen and real quick and then died. We know this because that was enough for the phone to create a small data log. And after this, her phone was completely dead. There was no more activity from her phone. A little while later, Chris's phone was powered on at 1.37 p.m. And someone used the wrong pin so they couldn't fully unlock her phone. But up until this time, it, they had had the right pin and were opening it up, right? Right. Okay. April 6th, Chris's phone was turned on and off at 10.26 a.m. and 1.37 p.m. Both times the wrong pin was used so the phone couldn't be fully unlocked. Then we go to April 11th, so five days with no cell phone activity. Chris's phone was turned on at 10.51 a.m. to check for signal, and again the wrong pin was used. At 11.56 a.m., Chris's phone was turned off and was never turned on again. This wasn't because the phone died. The iPhone data recorded that her battery was at 22% when it was turned off this time. Regarding the wrong pin being used, the official NFI report says, quote, The iPhone from Chris has to be unlocked every time with a four-digit security code, which is 0556. And then afterwards, the SIM pin code has to be entered. From April 1st to April 5th, the telephone is consistently activated and turned on by entering both codes correctly. The investigator from the NFI concluded that the iPhone, therefore, had to be in Chris's possession between April 1st and April 5th, until the morning of April 5th, in fact. However, from 1.37 p.m. on April 5th onward, the iPhone is activated four times without or by entering the wrong PIN code. On April 6th, for instance, at 10.25 a.m. and 1.37 p.m. But there are, in fact, purposeful actions made, such as the swiping of the telephone screen and the opening of its control panel. The NFI investigator concluded literally that he cannot think of any technical reasons for this to have happened, but that he, in fact, believes that the reason for this changing of the login pattern is due to another person than the original owner trying to get access to the iPhone, a user who did not know the PIN code. Investigators believe it was a third person. How do you get into the control panel and do stuff if you don't have the pin to get into the phone? So there's like a two-layer thing. I see there's the extra SIM code on top of the iPhone code, meaning you could use the iPhone code and get in and do certain stuff, but you couldn't make calls or like anything that required a SIM card without that additional code. Right, like you couldn't access the call capabilities of the phone mm. to unless you had that pin so you could as well. go into the control panel or something. And, okay. Right. But you couldn't actually operate mm. the phone features of it without that SIM pin. Do we think it's possible she was trying to do something with her phone and changed the login code by mistake and couldn't remember it? My first thought with this is that something happened to Chris. Mm -hmm. Maybe she fell and died. Something happened to her. And Lisanne, her phone was dead. Now she has the iPhone and right. she's trying the pin to get it to work to make a phone call because her phone's dead. Mm -hmm. The iPhone's right. still there, but she can't figure out what the pin is. 
Yeah. There's some reports with this that investigators were able to see that that the SIM pin itself was tried 77 times and failed. Mm. Like it wasn't like, oh, I tried the, you know, tried the pin mm. and then quit before and turned it off after one try. Someone was repeatedly sitting there like trying multiple times when they had it on to figure out that pin. That makes more sense than a third person. To me, initially, that sounds like Lisanne is sitting there like trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But their report immediately says third person. It doesn't even mention the fact that it could have been one of them. And they were basing that on how the swiping would have gone on the phone to get to that screen and things. But if you didn't know how to work an iPhone, you would be just like a third person, right? And one of them had the other girl had the galaxy could be just as, you know, as could be showing the same swipes and patterns as any third person could have been. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. If you gave me a Samsung phone now, like I wouldn't know what to hit or what to do. You just no, I wouldn't either. And hitting things and hoping us. I'm like, Android. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know what the hell to do, <laughs> let alone in some kind of horrible, tragic situation. Yeah, you're panicked right. and maybe in shock and, and who knows what else. It possibly. I mean, and I would call myself an asshole just like I do anyone else when I see the green bubble in a text message. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the phone data timeline, and that leaves a lot of questions about. April 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, because there's no cell phone activity at that day. And then all of a sudden, Chris's phone pops back up on the 11th, trying to... That gap is interesting. It's a long gap. It's a very long gap. To be in the jungle with no food. You have water. It's fresh water, right? Yeah. Plenty of water, I would think. Mm. You go a long time without eating. Yeah, what is it? Like a couple weeks, right? At least, yeah. I think it's at least two at least weeks. a month. You go a month without eating, right? But it's just weird that there's that five-day Yeah, what's that gap? gap? What's she doing? If you're going that route, did, did Lisanne not know? Did, couldn't find the phone? Did she think it was dead so didn't bother trying it? Mm. If, you, if you're going that route yeah. with the story. I mean, she would at least be able to see the battery and see that it wasn't anywhere near dead i mean on the but maybe the 11th it, it would still had 22 percent. maybe if it was off and hers was dead maybe in her mind she had thought oh hers was dead too so she didn't think to try it i don't know or maybe it's just trauma it. maybe she did had maybe she had just seen her friend die or something like that or you know was she hurt too maybe she was out of it for a few days there's so many variables that you're never going to be able to go no, oh, yeah, this is probably yeah. what happened. You could be anything. You can't be confident in any opinion you no. have on this story. One of the biggest questions with that whole gap of days is on the night of April 8th, between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m., 90 pictures were taken with Lasan's camera using the flash in the middle of the jungle. Regarding the pictures, there's a lot of speculation about picture 509 that was deleted from Lasan's camera. People speculate that maybe someone who murdered them, deleted the picture, or there was some type of cover-up going on to kind of protect tourism in Panama. It's all a debate, but the way that picture 509 deleted wasn't like someone deleted it from the camera on the fly. The picture was permanently deleted, which suggests that someone took the SD card out of the camera, put it into a computer, and deleted that picture. Who examined that card? The same people that 
touch the backpack with no gloves? I think so. So, you know, I'm not putting it past him to hit the delete key by accident when. Right? And the weird thing is, is it's like picture 508 is of Chris looking back at the camera, kind of standing in a in a creek type area like in that river. A couple days before. Is it that one at the bottom? Yeah. What talking about. The 508 was taken at the beginning of the hike towards the beginning when there wasn't anything necessarily wrong yet. Then there's this whole gap where picture 509 could have been taken. And we just don't know when. Right. Or, or what was on it. Who knows? And then picture 510 picks up. And that's where everything's in quick succession at night. At times, there was as many as seven pictures taken in one minute. Some pictures were taken every 10 seconds, sometimes every minute. Most of the pictures were taken in a group between 1.29 a.m. and 2 a.m. The last known photo was taken at 4.10 a.m. The notable ones show a twig with red plastic bags on top of a rock. There's another one that shows a wrapper, which some type of food is there. Family members don't believe that they brought anything with them. So where did that rapper come from? How do they know that though? I don't know. I don't know if they were just saying like, yeah, I don't know. There's another picture that looks like a backpack strap and a mirror on an, on a rock. Another picture shows the back of Chris's head, which you would presume is Chris's head. You don't know for sure if she's alive or not because it's, it's really the, close up kind of, yeah, it's like right up on the back of her head and it's no, um, you, you can't really see any wound or anything like that. I think I think the 508 picture before this is a very strange picture. Personally, there's just something eerie about it. She doesn't look happy. No, it's very strange. Is it somebody getting to the turning point where the hike isn't fun anymore? Maybe we should stop taking pictures. And that's the last one. And she's like that. We're it could. Yeah, maybe something's going south at that point. Possibly. Sure. Like we're lost and this fucking sucks at this point and maybe I don't want to take any more pictures because yeah. I'm not really having a good time anymore. And then 509, who knows what it was. And that's a, that's a thing about cases like this where there's some type of incompetence or accident sure. or, or whatever. There's this unexplained thing and it's like, could that picture hold the key to everything or is it just exactly. something random? Exactly. It's, it could just be a right. tree. Yep. And, and I put in in the outline here, like how quick the pictures are, you know, some of them are like one thirty nine a.m. And within 10 seconds, specifically 10 seconds apart from each other then. And then some are just, you know, flying through. I, I don't know. Is it someone that's been out in the woods for a week and is just delirious? Photo number 512 through <clears throat> 540 was taken within seven minutes all those photos in one of the pictures it looks like the cheek there's a scope you sent us a link and we'll have to post this link yeah in the show notes or something so people can look at some of these photos because like that one yeah so that has been put up against because it looks like there's hair on the top right and it looks like a chin so that was did you you saw it dave yeah It looks like something. I saw what you're. I know what you're, what you're going to say here, and I, yeah, say that again. It would suggest that Chris is still alive. That both of them are still alive. Like you wouldn't hold the camera back here and just like 
snap pictures. It's presuming yeah. that that caught some of her face in it. And I think if it's them alive taking these pictures, the first thought is that they were using the flash as a flashlight. Yeah. And then Especially maybe the they heard an animal coming. It's a lot of terrain knows. shots and just kind of like looking up and out in the distance or something that would, that could make sense. And then maybe they were like, okay, this is a bad idea. Let's ditch this idea. And that's why the picture stopped. It's super eerie and creepy. It is it's very just, eerie. Yeah. They are creepy pictures either yep. one way or another, whether the panic behind taking those pictures or if it's yeah. somebody else taking pictures when they're already dead in the camp or yeah one way or another there's no camp wherever (laughs) they're at and by the river yeah one way or another they're terrifying pictures there's a lot like looking up too right which like just like in the the stars stars like did they hear something above like that that's weird like are you down in a gorge and you're hearing stuff on either side of the ridge up on on top and there's people that have pointed out in some of the pictures that the foliage looks very, very similar, like connecting the leaves look exactly the same, suggesting that they weren't really walking around or whoever was using the camera at that point wasn't really walking around. It was all in the same general area. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I got, I could see using it as a, as a flashlight or at least trying that. If you're out in the middle of the jungle and pitch black, absolutely. Right. You're like, oh, man, this is not working. Maybe it was hurting their eyes and they just kept doing They're like, oh, we can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. Or it was attracting the attention of something that they didn't want to be by. It's a week later. You start losing your mind. The backpack being found led to searches along the Kluber River. At the time, Chris's jean shorts were reported to be found on the opposite side of the river, a few miles down from where Lucanne's backpack was found. It was reported that the shorts were found zipped up and neatly folded on a rock, like straight up missing 401 stuff. However, in 2021, a lot of pictures were released. Uh, Some of them were leaked. And part of those photos showed that this was not true at all. Investigators found Chris's shorts caught in a tree that was partially submerged in a waterfall on that river. Still an odd place for them to be found. Yeah. But it, they weren't folded up nice and neat. Yeah, the folded shit, missing four and one. Yeah. That changes. That's just that too much. The whole story. It's just absolutely too much. Someone was going into business for themselves, uh, yeah. making up that detail, trying to get some missing four and one stuff going. <laughs> Two months later, closer to where the backpack was found, investigators found Lysanne's boot with her foot still inside and her pelvis. Not long after, a total of 33 bones in various conditions were found. Really weird detail with their bones. Lisanne's bones still had some skin on them, but Chris's bones were bleached. Like literally bleached? Literally bleached. Hmm. Is there anything in nature that could account for that? I don't know if like the sun could, but why would it do? Why would hers be bleached and not? The sands. I don't know. I saw some reports saying that it was like bones could be bleached like that using lime. Mm. But I don't know for sure. It's weird for sure. Yeah. Like what's the terrain like? Did one die in one spot a couple miles away? One died here. So different things happen to them based on the environment. 
Like, can you rule out anything but uh, human intervention, I guess, would be the question. Oh, it's tough with that one. And who are the same people that didn't know how to wear gloves when they DNA'd or when they fingerprinted a backpack, the same people that determined <laughs> that, that it was bleached? Like, when one part of the investigation is suspicious, I automatically well, yeah, view the whole the thing as suspicious. Sure, you can't just pick and choose. Yeah. yeah. A Panamanian anthropologist later said, quote, there are no discernible scratches of any kind on the bones, neither neither of natural nor cultural origin. There are no marks on the bones at all, which is super weird because the, there were some full smaller bones, fragments, yeah, but all of them were completely just clean. Yeah, that is weird. I don't know if they died out there based on injuries. You have to assume that wild animals would have got to them. There would be at least some scratches, right? Yeah, there are, there is no cause of death known in this case. Yeah. One bone fragment that people question belonged to Chris. And that was a bleached half of her pelvis under natural decomposition. Usually Uh, A pelvis does not just break in half on its own. Also, the half of her pelvis bone was missing joint tissue that in most cases remains intact for years under natural decomposition. In late August of 2014, it was reported that a ball of skin was found on the banks of the river that could be attributed to a sand after there was some forensic analysis um, and it was also reported that this skin was in the early state of decomposition. That's weird. I, and I don't, you don't even know what to make of it. I don't. Mm. So there's some weird points to discuss with this. Um, the skulls of Chris and Lisanne were never found, which it could be animals could take away the skull. But among the fragments, there was never a single bone belonging to a skull, jaw or tooth found just a little weird i think that's a little bizarre yeah the items in their remains were found miles away from where they were suspected to have been and they were both upstream and downstream they were just oddly placed from the trail where they were supposed to be on you mean yeah well they were way far away from the trail they were supposed to be on they were what would we say 10 miles right away the placement of where so upstream and downstream from the backpack. Right. You would, you would presume that they just, if they fell in, everything would just go downstream. Right. Not be upstream. And that's, you wouldn't somebody fall. went upstream then or they were taken upstream. Yeah. Parts I don't think they were. fell in. Parts I don't think that's what were. happened. That, the big one is the, the bones being bleached. I don't know how you explain that. It's, I don't. I, I could find no no explanation online as to why that would have happened to hers and not Lisanne's. It's just kind of like a detail, like, Oh yeah, her, her bones were bleached and then move on to the other. (laughs) You're like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do you explain like the explanation can't be that someone murdered them in there and hiked out of the jungle with their bones and bleached them and brought them back or that they had the capability to bleach them on site. It just doesn't, there's no plausible scenario that someone did that. But it's been done. It was determined that they but were. Is that a blanket statement? What does bleached mean, though? It doesn't mean Sounds someone like soaked it in bleach. That's not literally what it means, right? Like, I, 
I'm taking it as like if you spill bleach on your shirt. Yeah. You know, it makes like that. It bleaches your shirt. Like the same thing as bones. Natural color has been. Yeah. Like there's no flesh left on it or anything. It's just bleached. Perfectly clean, bright, bleached bone. Yeah. But is there any explanation in nature to account for that? I guess is my main question. So you can bleach bones with a mixture of hydrogen peroxide and water that was the that's the most natural way to accomplish it without lime or just straight up bleach so i used to bleach my hair in high school (laughs) (laughs) if they were murdered the only thing i could think of is that someone came back with lime and tried to cover up something okay maybe but only for one of them and maybe they were some like some of them. Maybe it was like, oh, this is tough. Fuck it. They're in the jungle. And they were separated. So maybe well, I was they only found earlier, some of the bones when they came back. You know, given that five day missing. And then we suspected maybe Lisa Ann had the phone. Maybe Chris was abducted. Lisa Ann wasn't at the time, like hidden or something. And Chris was gone. And Lisa, Lisa Ann was, was separate and then was found and, and you know, then killed in a separate area. So like the basis of this hike never even happened. I don't like, know. I'm just talking about this situation. I don't, I haven't formulated official. Well, I, you know. I guess when you say that, I think back to when early in the story, we said they can't even, there's not really any eyewitness accounts to even confirm that they were actually on this hike. Right. So maybe that never even happened. Like maybe bodies got dumped. Well, they, t- they had somewhere else. There were pictures of the hike in the beginning. Like they were on that. That's trail. true. Yeah, they were there. They were on the trail. I think the biggest question is, did somebody follow them mm-hmm. onto that trail? And maybe, and then maybe if 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 they did, maybe Lisa Ann kind of ran away, and Chris was caught first. Lisa Ann was stayed close by, tried calling for help, realized she couldn't, and then Chris was killed, and then maybe she was killed then after. There was some evidence reported that Lisanne's flesh was in the initial stage of decomposition. Early on, like way early on, the coroner's office suggested that her body could have been kept in a cool place. Well, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Mm. That was like real early on because after after that, the Panamanian government was kind of like, hey, shut up, <laughs> pal. <laughs> Look, we've talked about um incompetent corners and whatnot in this country yeah so you know oh yeah who knows well remember fami malik from the boys on the tracks one yeah, yeah in arkansas right that one guy fucking had his head cut off and he said he died from an ulcer so <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then what, and then the cats like ate his neck right isn't that what he said well when his head was found then he came back and said that his dog had That's eaten his was. head and regurgitated right. it <laughs> hole yeah hole yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i swear it's my finest appointment as governor that guy a stand-up guy i forgot that what was his name rami malik the guy that played freddie mercury in that queen movie <laughs> love that guy what was the guy's name fami malik fami malik sorry not rami fami <laughs> close enough it counts different guy still love them in that queen movie bone fragments from additional people were found in the same area these bone fragments were never fully investigated because Panama, they, they closed this case really fast. They were like, we're, we're done. 
Yeah, the additional bones, I, I don't even know what to make of that. It's weird. They're just like, no, we're done. We're closing this one. There's a lot of people that, that think that they wanted nothing to do with this and get it closed because of the hits of their tourism. Sure. And it, it gained a lot of attraction because of the internet. It was reported that a photo of two foreigners, uh, a brunette and a redhead woman, possibly Chris and Lasanne, showed up on the phone of a gang member who had been drowned four days after they disappeared. Well, that's something else then. Did they ever look at the <laughs> photos? Like what kind of photos were This they? is just what's reported in Didn't the news. Chris have blonde hair? Reddish. Reddish blondish. Yeah. Like that strawberry mm -hmm. blonde. And there's Twist. pictures of them hanging out with guys swimming. Mm -hmm. Did one of those guys follow them and do something? I, you know, at some point they were lost and they were both trying to get help from their phone. They were dialing. Right. So did someone sit out there and just watch them for see, all this? See, time? That's the thing. They weren't abducted right away. Right. No. They were abducted. They weren't letting them try to use their phone. And it, and local, they were calling one 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 two, which if it was locals, they would not know what one one two is. So it wasn't someone else using their phone, right? That's off. That's off the table. That's that didn't happen. It was them at least with their phone at, at least for the first four days trying to call what they thought was nine one one. Could they have one one two been abducted though, and just for whatever reason still had their phones on them and were just trying to make quick calls when they could. Mm. I think it's more likely that one of them slipped or something off the side of the trail, sprained their ankle. Other one went to help. They couldn't get back up. Maybe it was a small hill. And they always teach you to walk what down, you know, like downhill towards the stream to find other people. And I think they got probably got lost or someone got hurt. They couldn't continue. I don't know. I just don't, I don't see any more. I think some girls got lost in a foreign country and, they ended up dying. I don't really see and anything their bones more got than bleached. that. I can't explain the bleach <laughs> stuff. I, but I'm also not trusting completely. You know the reports from the coroner or whoever in Panama because. And I think that's true, but then I also question what else don't we know about a horrific murder? What are they covering up? Yeah, I, they're just like, well, we don't want people to know you can get brutally killed. I don't here. think all the information is available here. I don't think it ever will be. I mean, there's still some pictures from this night you know that whole burst of pictures mm -hmm. that have not been released to the public which is very weird yeah i mean there's there's um a, a solid chunk of these were just leaked and confirmed to be real using the uh the metadata and stuff okay so panama is holding on to these pictures at least some of them mm. it could be anything yeah, that's why I said it makes it hard to be confident in any opinion you have on this. That's right. Who the fuck knows. We're getting, you know, maybe a quarter of this actual story here. Mm -hmm. What is what is like the online community think? Like from what you saw, Ian, like people all are over trying the to place put from together. what I was hearing. Yeah, it's it's everybody has their own theory. But I mean, like when we go, like, do we do the John Bonet one? Like the most common answer is what people think Burke. The second would be like the mom. Like that kind of stuff. Is there one like leading kind of theory with this or is it not so mm. much? It almost seems like half and half half think that this was all, you know, they got lost. Like, mm -hmm. like what you said, and someone slipped, mm -hmm. got hurt. Right. 
the camera would have been them trying to use it as a flashlight. I did, there's a few things I can't explain with that theory. Like, what are these other bones that they found? <laughs> Nobody there's, can because they're like, ah, right? There's some additional problem. pieces here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm suspicious of this whole bleaching thing. I don't know, but if we're talking about other bones from other people being found, maybe there's some serial killer gang activity going on in the area. But just them sitting there for four days, being able to use their phone and trying to call nine one one, just to me suggests that they got hurt and lost. Is there the possibility that they went on the hike, got lost, then that four was it's a four day gap, right? Four mm-hmm. or five days, I think. Yeah. That gap somewhere before that gap, they ran into somebody. Absolutely. Sure. The, whether it be the gang activity yeah. or they ran into someone that you know took advantage of of their state of of being yeah state of non-well-being as it might be like no but maybe nobody followed them out to the on that trail. And lost and injured and bad maybe somebody yeah. was moving cocaine through the jungle and came across them the photos are just creepy just they are yeah, yeah. that's the part that makes this creepy is the pictures if you didn't have the pictures then i don't think i don't think it i agree because the biggest thing with those pictures is just that there's it, they're completely dark, right? From yeah, it was shut off the afternoon of April sixth, and then didn't turn back on to the morning of April eleventh. That's five days, and then there's nothing on the seventh at all, or the eighth, or the ninth, or the tenth. But the ninth or the eighth in the middle of the night from 1 a.m. to 4, you get all those pictures right. out of nowhere. Then nothing for the 9th or 10th, two days silent. Did multiple people stumble upon them? I don't know. Someone's like, oh, look at this camera. I'm going to take some pictures. But there's cash still left in their bag. And there's a picture of the back of one of their, presumably one of their heads. I mean, we yeah. don't know for sure. We don't know if they're still alive at that point. It's really weird. There's things that make sense. But then you can poke a hole in it. You can poke a hole in everything. Yeah. Every single part of this. That's you can right. Make an argument for or against. If I had to come up with <laughs> something, I well, would. You do. <laughs> I, I think I think I would lean towards them running into somebody on that trail. Maybe multiple people were involved, I, you know, on the trail or possibly a couple days later since they seem to be able to use their phones and try to call for help for four days yeah so i what i think is that they got lost for real got lost in those four days they were trying to uh check their signal yep and then on april 5th they ran into somebody that took advantage of their situation and then from april 5th through the 11th that person was fucking around with the phone trying to actually get into the the pen or somebody else was maybe somebody came across the bag like mm. you said somebody uh you know that did they grab the money though yeah that doesn't but make maybe sense. someone grabbed the phone and opened it try tried to open it to find out who it might belong to like oh i found this bag there's a phone inside let me see if i can figure out yeah where this is from did someone pick up the camera kind of in that same vein and didn't know how a camera worked and was just shot off a bunch of pictures but then they would have had to put it back in the <laughs> backpack when they were done because yeah everything yeah. was found inside the backpack 
Well, right. Maybe if you if they fall on the phone, they're like, oh, I can't open this. Fuck it. I'm putting it back. I'm getting out of here. We could be sitting here all night going down <laughs> any one of these rabbit holes of like, well, this and this and this. I think initially some somebody slipped or somebody something happened. One of them sprained their ankle or broke their leg. The other one helped and they they got lost. The and, amount of and for calls. four days we're trying to call nine one 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 two. What happened after that? I, I really don't know. I don't if, have a good answer. If the story would have ended on April fourth, then yeah, you would be like, okay, this was like if the cell phone activity ended on April fourth, right. there were no pictures. You'd be like, this is an accident. It yeah. stopped. You know? that, that delay, that couple days, no phone and just the camera and all those weird pictures. And no pin or using the wrong pin. Right. As soon as that starts, as soon as there's that signal check on April 5th at 1.37 p.m. when there's the wrong pin is used, I think there's some fuckery going on. I think there's an argument to be made that Lisanne was trying to figure out what the pin was in Chris's phone. I think there's an argument to be made there. Maybe it's also possible. Yeah. But that's definitely when a lot of the questions start popping up at that point. Right. From there on out, there's just a lot of like, what the fuck? I think something nefarious. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) But I think there's something nefarious happened on April 5th. All right. Well, all right. I don't. Yeah. Any other final thoughts or things to touch on with this? No, really it's everyone. you could go around and around in circles. And there's some really good sites out there where people have dedicated a lot of time. People are really invested in, in, in trying to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could, some of those people could probably write a book with the amount mm-hmm. of information they've compiled. Yeah. Just trying to figure out those pictures. And there's a, a book that was written by a couple of journalists that I found when I was looking this stuff up earlier this week from 2016 and i believe they got all the police investigation files and they worked with whoever's running the investigation for the panamanian government and they came to the conclusion that it was just an accident and they got lost and whatnot i think i'm going to check that book out and see kind of what their evidence is and then how they come up with that i can't tell you you the name of the book right now though because i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) we'll do a follow-up on that because i'm going to read that book I'm really curious. It's an interesting story. I looked it up. The name of that book is Lost in the Jungle by uh, Marja West and Jurgen Schnorren. Sounds interesting. Sounds like they got a lot of access. So I'm going to check that book out. All right. What uh, what do you got for us from Patreon? Got some new patrons this week. Thank you so much to Alicia Lovings, Griffin Appleton, Caroline Hanstein, Hanstein, Zach H., Jared Hudson, David Fess, Chad Williams, Amber Melander, Don Schultz, Marie Miller, Mark Rawl, Colleen Tharm, Ibleem Paguada, Cap'n Fuzznut, McCunt is Itchy. That's a name. <laughs> First name McCunt, last name is Itchy. It's pretty good. What were their parents thinking? <laughs> Tanner Sterling, Gerardo Varela, Olive Coxenass. First name Olive, <laughs> last name Coxenass. <laughs> that one sounds familiar. That's a returning patron. Hmm. Harris, Jared Klein, Lori Davis, Emily Germani, Tyler Campos, Mike Farber, Chance Remington, Paige Garcia, 
Dave loves Ian's hairy beaver. No, don't love that. <laughs> Weird thing to say. Sarah Bub, Nicholas Chekowitz, and F. Dave, Mary Ian, Kill Mike. Sorry, Mike, you did not make the cut on this last patron. That's okay. You'll get, o- like get over it, I like it, the though. fact they had to pay to say that. <laughs> Thank you so much to new patrons. Uh, Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Samantha Loves Dave. Hey, Samantha, where you been? How you doing? <laughs> and Nurse Parker. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Uh, anything else, Dave? I got an international, a couple international shout outs this week. Uh, Mrs. Gabbett from Great Britain, Town CD from Canada, and Ina Lorak 2 from Great Britain. Thank you so much for the uh, kind reviews. Good stuff. Um, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. What else we got? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for the merch. We've got some a new shirt up there finally. Got that vintage uh, cooldown beer shirt up on Amazon. Yeah. And then uh, spring, too, we have uh, merch there. Um, the links to all that you can find on our social medias and on the website, Necronomapod.com. Or everywhere. Getting there. Taking over Close. your town. All right. Thanks. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>